Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877 Let me start the program tonight by acknowledging the sad passing of Bob Beckel. Uh, Bob Beckel was an extraordinarily close friend with Sean Hannity. And I got to know Bob Beckel through Sean Hannity. Um one of Sean's birthday parties, we we all got together. Uh, we played golf from a couple of times, all of us. Uh, he was a big supporter of the Freedom Concerts, Beckel was. Beckel was an old-time liberal. Partisan as hell. Old-time Democrat liberal. Ran Mondale's campaign. I used to mock him about that all the time since Mondale won one state, Minnesota, by the skin of his teeth against Reagan. He had a tremendous sense of humor. And to get to know him was to like him a lot. And um, there were times a decade or two ago when the media would try to do these hit pieces on me and they'd call people like Beckel and Beckel would say, no, I, I like Levin. He's very smart, blah, blah, blah. We both like dogs very much, that sort of thing. That sort of thing. And he had a number of uh, personal issues and demons that he fought for much of his life, particularly up to the end. He was a man of deep faith. He was a born-again Christian. And while you and we may have disagreed with him on many issues, when it came to issues of faith, there was very little disagreement, frankly. As I said, he was an old-time Democrat, like a Scoop Jackson Democrat. 
something of that sort. Not an AOC Democrat, nothing of that sort. Um, when Hannity did the show Hannity and Combs, I was often paired against him. Had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun in the green room. I went back and read some of the things I said on the air. 2013, 2014, about the five. Condemning the Republicans on the five for failing to stand up and fight Beckel. It was running circles around them, I said. Uh, you had people in the five who were not defending Ted Cruz when he was running for office at some point. Uh, they were not defending uh, conservatives because they were mostly of the rhino Bush slash Cheney world. And some of them were posing as libertarians as opposed to defending our principles. You can be both, but they weren't being both. So I'd get on the air and I was critical. I Look, I tell you what I feel. Regardless of whom I work for or where I am. I believe in doing what's right. I believe others should do it right. what's right. I believe in following the rules. I believe others should follow the rules. Otherwise, I wash my hands of them. I lose all respect for them. And Bob was the same way, quite frankly. So, uh, he was, uh, he left the five over a period of time. They took him on CNN. It wasn't the same thing. Uh, I don't know anything about the last couple of years other than to say, in fact, he will be missed. He, uh, he very much liked my ex-boss, Ed Meese. I forget the circumstances he met Ed they spoke at some length and so forth and he really liked him and he really felt that he was given a bum rap and he was of course but again that's the way the guy was and that's why you're hearing a lot of conservatives who knew him he was best friends with Cal Thomas the great columnist and Cal would know more about Beckel than anybody but I think Cal introduced him or reintroduced him to the good Lord and to faith. And it took hold, stronghold. So uh, God bless him. He didn't live that long, 73. God bless his family. A lot of people passing away <clears throat> in these uh, latest times. It's really something. I'm going to talk now about Ukraine and Russia. You know, people have written me notes that, boy, you were way ahead of the curve. And this, I'm not ahead of the curve. What I do on this program is different. I'm a person of history and facts and evidence of knowledge. That's what I'm about. That's what I pursue. People ask me, what do you do for a hobby? That's what I do. That's what I do. And I spend a lot of time thinking about these things. Honestly, where I don't want to be bothered by friend or foe, and I'm thinking about these things. Not running around to social events. Not running around to places to be seen. And even when I go to places, I don't necessarily want to be seen. 
But I'm not weird about that either. Nice person comes up, I'm nice in return. But that's not my point. My point is history, facts, evidence, knowledge. And then overlay that with principles and ethics and morality. That's how you define me and that's how you define most Americans. It was interesting. I was watching very carefully last evening after the show and beyond this morning, doing more listening and watching than I normally do of this medium and others. The people who've been apologists for Putin, the people who've been saying, well, we don't want to go to war with Russia, which of course is true. The people who have made all kinds of absurd arguments that have been made in the past, whether confronting Mao or Hitler or Stalin or what have you. They're mostly silent, or they pretended they never said what they said. People who are mocking the president of Ukraine, who is a good guy, who is a reformer. Well, you know, he locked up the opposition, because the opposition is tied to and funded by Putin. They don't tell you that. What do you think Abraham Lincoln would do? There's a great documentary on about him. It's been on the History Channel. It started up against me on Sunday, but it's, it's moved on to each night. It's been a fascinating program. I also like the fact that they explain the contribution of former slaves to the Civil War and to the movement. I think that's all very, very important. It has nothing to do with critical race theory. I think the commentators have been terrific. The professors, white, black, and in between, have been outstanding. When Lincoln couldn't get a Massachusetts regiment through Baltimore to Washington to defend the Capitol after the first bull run where the Union was, uh, was slaughtered, what was happening in Baltimore is a lot of the people were sympathetic to the cause of slavery and segregation. So he couldn't get these troops down from Massachusetts to protect the Capitol. And the Capitol was right on the line, obviously. It was on the line with Virginia. Also separatists and, uh, and, and, and slave supporters in parts of Maryland. Maryland was really a half-and-half half state, a border state, as was Delaware. So he suspends habeas corpus, does Lincoln, and says anybody who interferes with the troops getting down here to protect the Capitol from certain attack and destruction of the entire country. We're not talking about truckers protesting here. Truckers who have no interest in overthrowing their government. They're interested in protecting their own personal rights, their own personal bodies, you know, their choice. He'd throw them in jail. He knew it was unconstitutional. Lincoln was a genius. He was a lawyer. He knew the Constitution better than most. But he said there'd be no Constitution. We have these breakaway states. They're already violating the Constitution. And so when you have the head of Ukraine, a reformer, the new president of Ukraine, truly is representative of that democracy. And you have the opposition leader, quote-unquote, who was funded by and supported by Putin. I bet you didn't know that. Yes, he threw him in jail. Because they're under attack now. This is a brave man. He and his cabinet, 
his foreign minister, his defense secretary. These are brave people because of Putin can he'll hang them from telephone poles like Mussolini. Putin is a sick man. He's a power-hungry mass murderer. That's what he is. And when you have people in this country who defend him affirmatively or by their connivance, that is, playing with the facts on the ground or otherwise sinister, it's really appalling. There are people in Europe who want to be free. Eastern Europe. They want to be free. Now, I pointed out months ago, it's not being regurgitated by many of my friends, but I understand they want to be out there, and that's okay. But it's important that they do regurgitate it. That we cut a deal with Ukraine, as did Russia and Britain. That they had to give all their nukes back to Russia, back, whatever that means, the old Soviet Union collapsed, but you get my point. And in exchange, their sovereignty would be recognized and protected. Somehow, some of the backbenchers heard about this. Because they go onto my website and they look at the transcript and they listen to the show. And I can't say I blame them. Because again, what's Mark's hobby? Is it golf? No. Is it putzing around? No. It's this. This is what I love. This is what I do. I want to confer as much information to you as possible. I'm blessed to be behind this microphone. You're not blessed to have me. I'm blessed to have you. And a lot of people get that mixed up in this business. And this Bucharest memo resulted in Ukraine giving up its nukes. It would be a very different situation if Ukraine never gave up its its nukes. And we've been pointing that out over and over and over again. But that's not all. When Putin basically sent his military into the most eastern side of of Ukraine, basically had his troops take off their Russian insignias and then pretend to be sort of indigenous, spontaneous citizens of Ukraine, Russians, though, rising up against all this this horror. We had the opportunity to arm the Ukrainians to the teeth with offensive weaponry. They have more than one arm tied behind their backs. They're willing to fight and die. And if they weren't willing to fight and die, Putin wouldn't need to send literally half of his military, half of his army, on the border with Ukraine, nation of 44 million people. I want to expand on this. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. 
To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The other day I spoke about the Lend-Lease program that FDR put in place to try and assist the British against Hitler. Uh, because America was in a very isolationist stage. And people then, as today, would say things like, well, what does this have to do with us? It's all the way over there. Britain can defend itself. What are we going to do, send American troops? As if evil enemies like this are going to say, you know, we're building all this equipment. We want to advance our cause. We want to be the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, but don't bother the United States. That's not how it works. Remember what I said? History, facts, evidence, and knowledge. That will usually lead you to the right place. What else have I been talking about? In fact, we did cut a deal. Now it's being mentioned on Fox, and that's a good thing. I mentioned it myself several weeks ago in Budapest in, in, uh, in uh, 1994, where the entire Ukrainian arsenal was surrendered. The United States had the biggest nuclear arsenal. Russia had the second biggest arsenal. And you'll hear this now tomorrow. Ukraine had the third biggest arsenal. It's part of the old Soviet Union. Well, it voluntarily and peacefully gave it up, gave them to Russia. And as I've said, and you've listened to this program and others, whether it's Life, Liberty, and Levin, or Levin TV, but especially here, that this was a big mistake. A big mistake. As I said, I spoke about Len Lease the other day, and the foreign minister of Ukraine, Dmitro Kuliba. He talked about it too that the Ukrainians are trying to develop a program with the rest of the world, EU, NATO, and so forth. Uh, One of the proposals we put forward today, said, is designing a program similar to the Lend-Lease that was implemented during World War II to support the British and to support Eastern Europe. That's why I say, listen to this program. You're going to hear things regurgitated by people who don't do the work. But this is very, very important stuff. And I happen to agree with them. I'll be right back. Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. 
To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin. The George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Why is it assumed that we want war? Well, we haven't invaded anybody. When we are saying through our idiotic president what we're not going to do, rather than keep the, the Russians on their heels wondering what we might do, why is it assumed that we're the warmongers, that we want to have a, a ground war in Europe, and that we want the ground war to be with the Russians? See, this is called, used to be called, propaganda. The manipulation of facts and arguments. Used to be called propaganda. And unfortunately, we have the equivalent of our Tokyo Roses in this country. In radio, on television, in the written media. That's who they are. The foreign minister of Ukraine, as I said at a news conference today, Dmitry, excuse me, Dmitro Kuloba. Cut 17, go. Ukraine continues the engagement with the United States, EU, and NATO in diplomatic efforts to ease tensions. Yet, we also stand ready for any possible development. We had a focused discussion today with Secretary Blinken on steps to protect Ukraine and our multidimensional resilience. One of the proposals that we put forward today is designing a program similar to the land lease implemented during the World War II to support uh, the war efforts of the Allies in, Eastern, in, East, in, in Europe. This program will help to ensure sustainable sustainability and will improve efficiency in, uh, the, uh, in strengthening the capacity of Ukraine to defend itself. Mm-hmm. Again, the point we raised the other day, land lease, FDR did it, a population in the United States that was very uh, protectionist at the time, <clears throat> not even protectionist, isolationist at the time, uh, making people making many of the same uh, demagogic arguments that you hear today. Like somehow we are the bad guys. They sound like the radical left, the American Marxist left, do they not? The neo-appeasers and neo-sellouts, in my opinion, they do. But the failures of this administration are multifold, despite some of the support it's getting on TV and elsewhere. The things that it did leading up to this, to send signals to Russia that were weak. The budget proposed for our military that doesn't even cover inflation, we've talked about that for months, suggesting we're weak. Obviously, what we've done in Afghanistan, what we've done with Iran, showing that we're weak under this phony commander-in-chief. 
All this has been taken in. And now the Washington Compost and other pretend media are reporting that China is really caught in a catch-22 situation since it does want to completely tick off the West, but on the other hand is, is somewhat supportive of what Putin's doing. So they're sending sort of signals to both sides. No, they're not. The Washington Post, if you want facts and information bolstered by history, you're reading the wrong, the wrong newspaper. That is a rag filled with ideologues and apologists. That is a joke, the Washington Compost. And we keep hearing today that uh, Biden, from Biden and others, that they've now put in some sanctions and some very serious sanctions, and depending on what Putin does, they might heighten those sanctions. Well, what sanctions, really? What have they done that's going to stop Putin so far? Anything significant? I mean, lay the gloves on the guy. Go for it. Choke off their economic system. Reagan did that, and they hadn't even invaded Ukraine. He wanted to put the world out of the misery of the Soviet Union. Here's Joe Biden today. Cut four. Go. Yesterday, Vladimir Putin recognized two regions of Ukraine as independent states. And he bizarrely asserted that these regions are no longer part of Ukraine and their sovereign territory. To put it simply, Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. Last night, Putin authorized Russian forces to deploy into the region, these regions. Today, he asserted that these regions are actually extend deeper than the two areas he recognized, claiming large areas currently under the jurisdiction of the Ukraine government. He's setting up a rationale to take more territory by force, in my view. And if we listened to his speech last night, and many of you did, I know, he's, uh, he's setting up a rationale to go much further. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated. Now, let's stop there. Last night, he and his administration wouldn't use the word invasion. We did here. In fact, last night, the phony media, the news organizations, they wouldn't use the word invasion, and we did. And I pointed out, they won't use the word invasion. I will. This is the beginning of the invasion. That's what we said here last night. You were here. When our government wouldn't say it, when our media wouldn't say it, so we're all supposed to roam around like we're Helen Keller. Go ahead. Permission to be able to do from his Duma. So let's begin to, uh, so I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. I don't see any firm response from the international community, including our community. He's got the facts right, but I don't see any firm response to you folks. And Putin hasn't exactly been hiding what he plans to do. Except from some of the uh, propagandists in our own media. Cut five, go. 
Over the last few months, we've coordinated closely with our NATO allies and partners in Europe and around the world to prepare that response. We've said all along, and I've told Putin to his face some month, a month, more than a month ago, that we would act together. And the moment Russia moved against Ukraine, Russia has now undeniably moved against Ukraine by declaring these independent states. So today, I'm announcing the first tranche of sanctions to impose costs on Russia in response to their actions yesterday. These have been closely coordinated with our allies and partners, and will continue to escalate sanctions if Russia escalates. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. Starting tomorrow... Are you still using Russia as an intermediary to negotiate with the Islamo-Nazis in Tehran? I'm curious, are you? Go ahead. In the days ahead, we'll also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They Why not share- do it now? You say you've been planning for months. Do it now. Go ahead. And the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. And because of Russia's actions, we've worked with Germany to ensure Nord Stream 2 will not, as I promised, will not move forward. Mm-hmm. Prospective, but the pain needs to be felt now. Doesn't it sound that painful to me? Cut six, go. As Russia contemplates its next move, we have our next move prepared as well. Russia will pay an even steeper price if it continues its aggression, including additional sanctions. The United States will continue to provide defensive assistance to Ukraine in the meantime, and will continue to reinforce and reassure our NATO allies. Today, in response to Russia's admission that it will not withdraw its forces from Belarus, I have authorized additional movements of U.S. forces and equipment already stationed in Europe to strengthen our Baltic allies, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Let me be clear. These are totally defensive moves on our part. We have no... Why would you say that? Are you trying to uh, make sure Putin isn't upset at you? I mean, I, I I don't understand the schizophrenia. And I think the backbenchers who are listening to this program or taking notes, or to join me in this concern. Well, I, I don't understand this, this two-pronged attack on the one hand saying, here's what we're not doing, and on the other hand, but we're going to have stiff sanctions. But don't worry, we're not going on offense. This is purely defense. No, I, I, don't, I, I don't comprehend this. I don't get it. What kind of signal are you trying to send? Go ahead. Tension of fighting Russia. We want to send an unmistakable message, though, that the United States, together with our allies, will defend every inch of NATO territory and abide by the commitments we made to NATO. We still believe that Russia is poised to go much further in launching a massive military attack against Ukraine. Hope I'm and I asked about- the question earlier this week, and in a monologue I asked this question, 
on Life, Liberty, and Levin three Sundays ago. Are we now prepared to fight Russia, however we do it, directly, indirectly, whatever, economically, militarily, all of the above, beyond Ukraine? Hungary is on the border on the western end, southwest of Ukraine. Poland is on the western border of Ukraine. The Balkans are right in the neighborhood, too. So the question is, what actually are we prepared to do? And if it is the case that we were to muscle up just in case, why would you propose a budget to the United States Congress that doesn't cover inflation? When you're spending trillions of dollars and throwing money everywhere except what your job is as commander-in-chief. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I have great news for you today. Hillsdale College, the college that's reaching and teaching Americans about the Constitution, is giving away free copies of this vital document, but only while supplies last. So claim your free pocket-sized Constitution right now at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for citizens to read and understand them. My favorite school in America, Hillsdale College, is doing something. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim yours, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed, and they'll send yours free. I want all my listeners to have one of Hillsdale's pocket constitutions. They're essential. Hurry, they've only produced a limited number. Reserve your copy at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Joe Biden, as we work through this together, where are we, Mr. Producer? Six or seven? Cut seven, go. None of us, none of us should be fooled. None of us will be fooled. There is no justification. Further Russian assault in Ukraine remains a severe threat in the days ahead. And if Russia proceeds, it is Russia and Russia alone that bears the responsibility. As we respond... My administration is using every tool at our disposal. No, you're not using every tool at your disposal. You said you'll ratchet up the sanctions. I don't know what you're waiting for. These sanctions should be, you know, pouring all over Putin, his oligarchs, and that entire government. Did you ever hear Reagan said we're going to be ratcheting up sanctions depending on how many countries uh, uh, the, the communists invade? No. And he defeated the Soviet Union economically. Okay, we have to defeat Russia economically. They pulled the trigger. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get harder for them to pull back. Stop listening to the neo-appeasers and the neo-sellouts in our media, regardless of their backgrounds or party, and do what you need to do as commander-in-chief to protect our allies, to protect NATO, to protect Eastern Europe, and ultimately to protect the United States of America from some massive land war in Europe again. Go ahead. American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. Yeah, well, here's another thing he could do but won't do. 
open up our federal lands, stop with the American Marxism when it comes to economic and environmental issues, encourage our wonderful oil industry to go back to what they were doing before he was elected and these clowns took over and become energy independent. That would be a massive blow to the economy of the, uh, of the Russians. Massive. Go ahead. I said last week, defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we, will do, but as we do this, oh, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at the Russian economy, not ours. That We're the closely- pain of our sanctions are targeted. That they are, the sanctions are targeted. This is so painful. Go ahead. Monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We're executing a plan in coordination with major oil producers. See, if we were still energy independent as we were under President Donald J. Trump, we'd be flooding the market with oil and gasoline and propane and everything else we could produce. We'd be flooding the market as an economic weapon to take down Putin and his regime and at least push them back rather than talking about monitoring the situation and American suffering. And I am quite serious about this. And so when the price of fuel goes up, and it will go up, he'll blame this effort by Russia, which is partly true, but it's partly him. Because of his failure to prepare and his constant stubbornness and obsession with undermining our own domestic energy supply and production. Again, this is a tool that could have been used right now against Putin. Not just cutting off their pipeline, their second pipeline, but just pouring fuel into the economies of the world as a way of shutting down his war machine. But he didn't do that, by More when I return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. No, we have not forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, Ottawa, Ontario. Do not go there. No tourism there. Do not fly through there. To the extent you can determine if something is made there, do not purchase it. Now, the brutality against the patriotic bus drivers, their families, people who support them, continues tonight. Nothing has changed. In fact, it's only gotten worse. Trudeau is a thug. 
He is Canada's Vladimir Putin. In this, there is no question. There's nothing liberal about the Liberal Party in Canada. You know, it's like the Democrat Party in America. They go under these flags, under these names. Self-anointed nomenclatures. They're Marxist operations. Trudeau is a Marxist. The Democrat Party in this country is a Marxist entity of many sorts, as are much of the media. Look, you got to call a spade a spade here, folks. This is what it is. And taking down American Marxism posters from my Fox studio behind me is not going to change a damn thing. It's not going to certainly change what I talk about. So this is very important to know what we're up against. I've also pointed out that the Democrat Party hates America. Hates America, never promotes the idea of freedom, never even talks about freedom, as we've said multiple times, and has no intention of doing so. Again, you're watching this special on Lincoln, and as you know, my father was a scholar, self-taught, and I've spent a lot of time studying Lincoln and the Civil War, among others. He's a remarkable man. And so many of the people in this country who are unremarkable try to destroy him. He was up against really impossible odds, most people thought. The Democrat Party was divided in multiple ways. The Republican Party was divided in multiple ways, not against. They they stood against slavery. That's why the party had been formed six years before he was elected president. But how do you go about accomplishing that? And, of course, as the war went on, people were getting war-weary. The casualties were horrendous. You couldn't find a general who wanted to fight or fight competently until he came to Grant. Of course, there was Sherman who was outstanding, too, and, and a few others as well, but in terms of being in charge of the Union forces. And Lee, of course, was in so many ways a genius, but not a genius enough. And so, it went on. And um, the determination Lincoln had was remarkable. He defended the United States Constitution. He not only defended the Declaration, as we've talked about many times, he used the Declaration of Independence to motivate the North to sustain support for the Founding. By the way, so did Frederick Douglass. So did Harriet Tubman. So did so many of the great activists, patriots of their day. Unlike those today, Black Lives Matter is gone. Nobody knows where the money went. Nobody knows who's running the organization anymore. The people who supported it to their audiences, like LeBron James, like virtually everyone at ESPN like virtually everyone at CNN and MSNBC, like virtually every Democrat, like Mitt Romney. They don't feel they have any responsibility. They won't even apologize to the people who followed them and to many of the people who provided donations to this organization, which apparently lined the pockets of the former leaders, if you can even find them today. And with all the crime going on in the inner city, black-on-black crime, Black Lives Matter is nowhere to be found. 
Nowhere. Let's go back. John Finer. Ever hear of John Finer? Of course not. He's another retread. White House Principal Deputy National Security Advisor. And he's on CNN today, the constipated news network. And by the way, Ted Turner, again, has denounced CNN. He's denounced the former president of CNN, uh, Mother Zucker, what they've done to the all-news channel, which he, he said it went from all-news to this. So Mother Zucker not only destroys his own marriage, not only destroys the marriage of another, Destroy that entire network. And look at all the feeble-minded, buffoonish clowns like Acosta. Who else? Jake Tapper destroyed himself over there. Brian Stouter, who should be back at Towson University cleaning toilets in the the fraternities. What a disastrous bunch of low-quality human beings. I mean this, truthfully. But here's John Finer, and he won't even confess that this is an invasion. Of course, they've changed course, the Biden administration. This is a big problem. You can't get your points straight. You can't get your language straight. You can't get your arguments straight. Your sanctions so far aren't doing a hell of a lot. Sounds like a quizzling to me, Biden. Quizzling. Where does that word come from? Google it. Duck, duck it even better. Cut 10, go. If Putin is putting troops in Donbass, he calls them peacekeeping, but they are military troops. Do you define that as an invasion? So now here we have the press and the administration in a semantical debate. And I want to announce to you now there's more news that uh, tanks are now moving in to Ukraine. Really no surprise there, but it's awful. Obviously, the Ukrainians provoked them. Because they live and they exist. But Aaron Burnett, her burning question is, isn't this an invasion? So here we have CNN, which nobody watches, debating John Finer, who nobody listens to. Is this an invasion? The reason John Finer couldn't just flat out say yes, like we did last evening on this program, is because the orders came on from down high, even though they were gurgled and spittled, and incoherent. He read between the lines, don't use the word invasion. Maybe we can pull Putin back. And then later, in the course of the morning, the Biden White House uses the term invasion. Go ahead. So what President Putin has done already today is something uh, that we are appalled by, but not surprised by. Uh, The entire spectacle that unfolded in Moscow was more or less predicted uh, publicly by President Biden in some of his comments, by Secretary of State Tony Blinken in his comments to the U.N. Security Council, uh, and something we were prepared to respond to, and indeed already have responded to, through an executive order uh, that this administration put out tonight. We've also said that we plan to take additional actions tomorrow in terms of what is actually happening on the ground in the the Donbass region of Ukraine. We have seen reports, but we are basing our actions on what Russia actually does, not the statements that Russia makes. We're going to continue to assess overnight uh, any steps that Russia takes, and we will be prepared with a significant response tomorrow. Does it sound like he answered the question? Go ahead. 
Okay, so let me just understand, though, then, just the, the basics. I understand you're waiting to see if they actually walk over the line. But the Secretary of State, of course, uh, Tony Blinken, said very specifically on January 20, 21st that if Russian forces move across the border into Ukraine, it's a, quote, renewed invasion. So this would be, if one troop walks over that border or drives over, however it is, a renewed invasion, correct? So I'm going to uh, repeat what I just said, which is we are not going based on what Russia has He's stated. going to repeat what he just said because we're so stupid we didn't understand gibberish when we hear it. Go ahead. I, I understand they've made a statement about uh, deploying. Uh, no, I know. I understand that. But I'm saying I understand they haven't done it yet. But if they right. But I'm, I'm sorry. We have a bit of a delay. I don't mean to be talking over you. But if a troop comes over that border, if that happens that to a Trump person. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a bit of delay. I don't mean to be talking over you, of course. All right. This goes on and on to the point of nausea. Now. Uh, to John Finer, Elise Jordan. Also of the, looks like the, oh, MSLSD, they're sending out the, uh, the you know, the, the backup team, the tier two team, the deputy, principal deputy, excuse me, national security advisor on MSLSD today, so they can lie to the 12 people who view that network. Cut 11, go. What are the existing measures short of war that are left for the administration to pursue, given Russia and Putin's aggressiveness? Now, I don't know who Elise Jordan is. Sure, she's another reprobate, but that's actually a good question. Go ahead. So thanks, Elise, for that that question. Our response from the beginning has had a a range of elements, including uh, more than $650 million in security assistance that we have provided to the Ukrainians over the last year so they can defend uh, their territory. Wow, $650 million. They're spending trillions like it's uh, nothing. You're going to have $650 million over the course of a year to the Ukrainians to defend themselves? I mean, does anybody really think this is going to do a damn thing? $650 $650 million. The teacher unions laugh at this. Paltry. Go ahead. It is also included significant movements of U.S. forces uh, from uh, Western Europe into Eastern Europe and from the How United States. How does that help Ukraine? Removing forces from Western Europe to Eastern Europe into NATO countries that are on the border with Ukraine. He won't answer the question. What are you doing what are you doing about Russia and its aggressiveness with Ukraine? Go ahead. It's into Eastern Europe. If Russia continues... Ah, shut up, you idiot, you rambling buffoon. And I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but wait until you hear John Bolton on MSLSD. John Bolton is welcome on MSLSD, on CNN... No doubt the January 6th committee would like to hear from him, even though he's an utter irrelevancy on that. But why not? Let's get John's view. He's a man without a cause. He's a man without a platform. Cut 12, go. Just to go back to the Trump Oh years, my but- God, this Andrea Mitchell, she's back. Now they love John Bolton. Remember, they hated his guts. Now they love him. Andrea Mitchell. You know, she married uh, Alan Greenspan, who's got to be 90, maybe 95 by now. She's like 20 years his junior. Now she looks 90, 95, and Alan Greenspan looks like uh, he's 20 years her junior. May I say that? I think I did. Go ahead. 
just to go back to the Trump years, because the, you had Why difficulty not? Trump there. years, Why? ladies and gentlemen, we got to get in the Trump years here because that's so relevant to everything. And of course, we're going to ask John Bolton about the Trump years because we know he'll be so objective. Johnny, I used to know you. Now I can't stand you. I have nothing but contempt for you. Your clownish book, your clownish behavior. You went in there like a bull in a china shop. You knew your opinions and his would conflict. And rather than conducting yourself properly, you conducted yourself like a jackass. You asked people like me and Hannity and others to endorse you. You're shameless. But go ahead. Well, why not? It's because that's when Ukraine became so politicized as part of an impeachment. That's exactly right. And as part of decisions and conversations, there was one call in particular, the so-called perfect call that Trump had. With This, this you know, is the, why Andrea Mitchell never made it in the big times. It wasn't her looks. It's what between her ears. And there's not much. She's a broken record. People who listen to her learn absolutely nothing. Except that she's on a rampage. By the way, just two quick points of news for you, ladies and gentlemen. We have tried repeatedly to get former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on our Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I don't know if it's staff or something or else. But there's always some answer as to why they can't, even if we give them four days, five days notice. And so I'm not going to ask anymore. The same thing happened with Ted Cruz a couple of months ago, so I'm not going to ask him anymore. I don't know what the problem is. I don't really care. There are wonderful candidates out there. Both of those men want to be president of the United States. If they can't handle an interview by me, a friendly, then I don't know what their problem is. Meanwhile, DeSantis will come on, Tim Scott will come on, all these other great hosts will come on. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, here's the deal. I've been telling you for a couple of years now to switch to Pure Talk, and thousands of you have. Let's hear from one of those happy customers. Here's a note from Robert of Miffenburg, Pennsylvania. I was a 20-year customer of Verizon that needed to upgrade my iPhone 7. I checked my Verizon deals and even spoke with a rep, but wasn't impressed with the offers they were giving, especially being a 20-year customer. I heard about Pure Talk on the Mark Levin Show and checked it out. I was really happy with the deal I found, but still nervous about going to a new car. Ultimately, I kicked Verizon to the curb and couldn't be happier with Pure Talk service. I saved $300 on my new phone, got 15 gigs more a month on my plan that costs less. I personally couldn't be happier since switching to Pure Talk. Well, friends, stop being scared. From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and this month, you'll save an additional 25% for your first three months. Or just go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Mark Levin and save today. All right, let's give this a shot again. Here is John Bolton with Andrea Mitchell. Go. Just to go back to the Trump years, because they, you, know, you had why difficulties. Not? Well, why not? Well, why not? Is because that's when Ukraine became so politicized as part of an impeachment. That's exactly right. And as part of decisions. What do you mean and that's exactly right? Two idiots in a pod here. Two pea brains. 
Gee, it wasn't politicized before. No, no, no. Not in 2014 by Obama and Biden. Not in 1994 by Clinton. No, 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 no. It's been politicized because of Trump. You know, when you have a reprobate now, and that's what he is, like John Bolton, whose entire purpose for waking up in the morning and going to bed at night, staring at the ceiling, is to destroy his former boss, who he picked a fight with, who he wanted to work for, who he wrote a book, really, in my view, which is outrageous. I never wrote a book about any of my bosses. Uh, This is a guy that needs to not be in a green room, but in my view, a padded room. Go ahead. Conversations. There was one call in particular, the so-called perfect call that Trump had with, you know, Zelensky, which, you know, certainly... What does this have to do with anything, you moron? You're even stumbling over your own tongue. What does this have to do with anything, Andrea? Nothing. So here's Putin invading Ukraine on Biden's watch. Of course, she ignores all of the corruption involving the Biden family in Ukraine. And she's getting into this because she hates Trump more than she hates Putin. And so does Bolton, in my view. Go ahead. To the Kremlin, they could do what they wanted with Ukraine. Did America would not stand up? That's not what he said. Whoa, 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 whoa. Trump did more to arm the Ukrainians than the Obama-Biden administration ever did. And the president of Ukraine said so. So here you have uh, Tokyo Andrea Mitchell. Now Tokyo John Bolton. Go. I think uh, uh, Putin was undoubtedly waiting for a second Trump term. But uh, he's getting effectively almost what he would have expected. John, you sound like an idiot. You've become an idiot. Really. Stupid. I'll be right back. Inflation under our current administration is at 40-year highs. Everything's more expensive. Cars, gas, groceries, housing, cost of living increases are bankrupting Americans, which is why you need to find areas in your life where you can actually save money. And your wireless bill is one of them. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile all overcharge you for the same service you could be getting from Pure Talk at a fraction of the cost. That's why I'm a customer and why you should be one, too. And listen to this. The more lines you have, the more you save. Right now, you can get four lines, talk, text, and data for just 64 bucks. That's not per line. That's total, which is how the average family is saving over $800 a year. Find out how much you can save. So do this. Go to puretalk.com. Find the plan that's right for you. Find the phone that's right for you. Or just bring your own. Then, this month only, enter promo code Levin Podcast, and you'll save an additional 25% off your first three months. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N, podcast. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do a show one day, you know, when there's not war and other things breaking out, Mr. Producer. On the war on Martin Luther King's legacy by critical race theory. It's in the book. American Marxism, which I think you're supposed to carry around now in a paper bag. Uh, not a clear bag, but a paper bag. So it's t- the title, the cover can't be seen. 
And I hate to tell those who would have me squelch this, because, you know, it's been out for eight months. I mean, come on now, we've got to move on to the next thing. Got to move on to the next fascinating book. Memoirs of a host. Anyway, so um, it's coming out in Spanish. Did I mention that, Mr. Producer? Oh, yeah. American Marxism is coming back in a trade paperback in Spanish. I asked Simon and Schuster Threshold to do it, and they didn't hesitate. For all this attack on that company, I don't know. They work with me very, very easily. We have a great team with Jennifer and Natasha. But, um, and John Carp at the top. I know he comes under attack, but with me, he's been extremely supportive. And I write these books and sell a lot of copies. You'll say, well, that's why. Okay, fine. But if you're really a left-wing ideologue, you wouldn't want me writing a book that sells a lot of copies, would you, Mr. Producer? I don't think so. No matter how much money you might make. But this has laid out the anti-colorblind society of critical race theory, and I would encourage parents and citizens of all stripes who stand up at these school board meetings to make it clear that what these school boards are promoting in critical race theory is, is an attack on Martin Luther King, an attack on colorblind society, and the 1619 Pulitzer Prize-winning knucklehead has been pushing this agenda now for months. If you're a white supremacist, white dominant society, you cannot push for a colorblind society. In this, they are right. Because they are pushing racism. You cannot embrace Louis Farrakhan and Martin Luther King at the same time. They're pushing two different ideologies. And so it's really remarkable to watch somebody like a LeBron James or an Oprah Winfrey or even a Mitt Romney embrace this Black Lives Matter movement, which embraces critical race theory, which is poison to Martin Luther King and a colorblind society. So we celebrate King's birthday, but apparently we trash his legacy. God, I'd love to debate this with one of these people, but I can never get them on. I mean, I can't get Pompeo and Cruz. And by the way, we've stopped trying. I'm just making a point. Wouldn't it be great if I could debate one of these people? God, I'd listen to that myself, Mr. Producer. But here we are. Canadian Member of Parliament, Yara Sachs. During House of Commons proceeding, just the other day. Now listen to this one. Cut 14, go. I've heard the words of my colleague on the other side of the floor, and so I have a few questions um, as a Jewish member of parliament myself. So what's happening now is the radical left-wing Jews, who are mostly secularists, because you can't be a radical left-wing Jew and an adherent to the original-slash-traditional interpretation of the Bible. It's not possible. It's not possible. So my wife likes to say, the religion of the secular Jew, like the secular Catholic or anybody who's secular, is their political ideology. It's not faith itself. And so, while some might try and some might pretend and some might dress the role, the fact is, you cannot be a traditional, as an example, Orthodox Jew 
who I think are closest to complying with God's law than most other Jews. That's right, I said that. Can you imagine that? I said it on open airways. But I believe that. I believe it. Uh, and, and be a radical Marxist leftist. It's not possible. They're sharing the ideology of an evil butcher ideologue, Marx, who rejected faith, including his own. But why get into the way of a cool story? Cut 14, go. A descendant of survivors of the Holocaust as well. I, like many Canadians, were shocked to see Nazi flags, Confederate flags, dismayed and angry and hurt. You know what, lady? You're disgusting. Who were carrying the Nazi flags? Who were these people? Do you, can you identify them? Do you, do you have no idea who they are? They could be plants. They could be nut jobs. They could be anything. They could be neo-Nazis. To smear hundreds of thousands of truck drivers with that crap is unbelievable to me. Particularly since it's your government, your party, your prime minister who is using totalitarian tactics to destroy the liberties of only certain Canadians. Go ahead, ya Ira Sachs. Horribly hurt. So how many Nazi flags Can does I ask it you guys t- a question? I'm Jewish, and when I see a Nazi flag, I'm not horribly hurt. I feel like I'd like to rip that bastard from head to toe. Isn't that the normal response, Mr. Producer? I'm horribly hurt. Look at that guy with the look at that guy with the flag. I have an idea. How about I pull his heart through his left ear? That's my attitude. I'm not hurt. I'm furious. And look how quickly she's reading her script. Go ahead. How many donors from the Capitol riots? It's eleven hundred and counting who have donated to these illegal blockades. How many guns need to be seized? Guns need to be seized. Ask any survivors who are left from the Holocaust. What do they think about government seizing guns? Any survivors from Warsaw, Poland. Ask them what they think about government seizing guns. This clown doesn't even understand the history of her own people. This jerk... Yaara Sachs doesn't even understand the history of her parents. Go ahead. How much vitriol do we have to see of Honk Honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler? Honk Honk is is an acronym for Hail Hitler, Mr. Producer? Have you ever heard that before? Look how they make this stuff up. Oh, you meant Hail Hitler. It's not Hail Hitler. It's Heil Hitler, but... Oh, look at that. They mean Heil Hitler. So if you beep your horn now, eh, eh, it means Heil Hitler. So beep it three times rather than two. What's that mean? Eh, eh, eh. Go ahead. To see by these protesters on social media mm-hmm. how much, how many times do we have to see clear indicators right, that's enough so now they want everyone to believe it's not the truckers it's the fact that the truckers are nazis they're blowing their horns honk honk which means hell hitler 
and they're carrying Nazi flags with all the TV I've watched on this, all the internet traffic I've watched on this. Maybe there's one or two examples of this. I haven't seen any. It was like the Tea Party movement on the south lawn of the Capitol building. And I think it was James Clyburn. No, 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 it wasn't James Clyburn. Who was it? I forget. Who claimed that one of the Tea Party activists called him the N-word and spat on him. Now, there are hundreds of iPhones. They could never find a single iPhone that had audio of him being called the N-word. Or being spat on. Yeah, John Lewis, that's it, John Lewis. But because John Lewis was a civil rights icon and a left-wing Democrat who hated the Tea Party movement, he was believed, but nobody could, okay, show us. What are you talking There was nothing. And of course, at one of these big events, there was some jerk carrying a flag and not the American flag. And not the American flag. Oh, look, the Confederacy's back. So the party of the Confederacy, the party of critical race theory that takes the Confederacy's ideology and just flips it around, supports segregation, is racist to the core, rejects Martin Luther King and a colorblind society. They now get to call people out. Isn't that hilarious in a sick kind of way? Australian member of parliament, Craig Kelly. He's on the floor today during their parliamentary debates, parliamentary debates. Cut 15, go. Australia has the right, when we see abuses of human rights in other countries, to call them out. We have a very special relationship with Canada. Australian and Canadian troops have served from the Boer War to World War I to Korea, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder together to fight against tyranny and for freedom. It was Australian troops that, and working side by side with Canadian troops that brought about what the Germans called their darkest ever day during World War I. It was the Australian and Canadian troops that turned the tide in World War I fighting for freedom. And so today, as all Australians, we look upon about what is happening in Canada and what their Prime Minister Trudeau is doing to the Canadian people, to the truckers in Ottawa. We should call that out as an abuse of human rights. Loudly and clearly, this is a shame of what is happening to our great Canadian brothers. This is so true. People who love freedom throughout the world must condemn Trudeau and his party and what's happening in Canada, just as we do in the rest of the world. We cannot turn a blind eye toward this. Just because these parties in Europe and the parties in the United States are aligned and have been aligned with these radical left and liberal parties in Canada, they are silenced, if not celebratory and supportive, if not lending advice and technology on how Trudeau can crush his own people. We, freedom-loving Americans, must condemn it. Even the neo-sellouts and the neo-appeasers must condemn it. While they don't condemn Putin, they must condemn Trudeau and Putin. This is very, very important. Canada ceases to be a free country. It's not a free country anymore. It's a totalitarian regime, as I said. 
People can talk about martial law and so forth. It's more than martial law. It's deeper than martial law. It's deeper than the law. It is, in fact, a totalitarian regime. When it can turn power off and on, when it can aim the power against its political enemies or protesters who reject being told that they must take a vaccine in order to have a livelihood, particularly now when, when it's a joke. That is worse than martial law, ladies and gentlemen. That goes deeper than martial law. It goes to the heart and soul of the society. And the heart and soul of the society is not martial law now. It's totalitarianism. That's what it is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, here's the deal. I've been telling you for a couple of years now to switch to Pure Talk, and thousands of you have. Let's hear from one of those happy customers. Here's a note from Robert of Miffenburg, Pennsylvania. I was a 20-year customer of Verizon that needed to upgrade my iPhone 7. I checked my Verizon deals and even spoke with a rep, but wasn't impressed with the offers they were giving, especially being a 20-year customer. I heard about Pure Talk on the Mark Levin Show and checked it out. I was really happy with the deal I found, but still nervous about going to a new carrier. Ultimately, I kicked Verizon to the curb and couldn't be happier with Pure Talk service. I saved $300 on my new phone, got 15 gigs more a month on my plan that costs less. I personally couldn't be happier since switching to Pure Talk. Well, friends, stop being scared. From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and this month you'll save an additional 25% for your first three months. Or just go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Mark Levin and save today. I understand, Mr. Producer, and I could be wrong. You know, Stephen Colbert, he calls himself Stephen Colbert. His brother's a lawyer in Washington, Thomas Colbert. Of course, Stephen has the Mr. Spock ears. I understand he's working on a home colonoscopy quick, uh, kit with an extra big hose that he pulled out of his uh, fish aquarium. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I shall return. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. That sneeze to the truth. I'm sure that broke right through the cough button. Um, let me ask you folks a question. You're the smartest people who listen to radio or watch television. Can you support securing our southern border and support Ukraine's sovereignty too? In other words, can you support America's sovereignty and Ukraine's sovereignty? Is there some inconsistency there? Isn't that what most of us patriots believe? Our national sovereignty? The national sovereignty of our allies? Now, this administration, of course, does not believe in our national sovereignty. And it has somewhat of a hypocritical issue here uh, with respect to the sovereignty of Ukraine's border, which it supports. But that's not what we believe. In other words, why project that on top of us or project that on top of any argument? It's kind of stupid. It's called supercilious. So these arguments have been made to me, and I go, well, what does one have to do with the other? I want the southern border secured. And I want Ukraine's border secure. Trump did it. Reagan did it. That's what we want. But even if they didn't, it's perfectly rational and logical. I see. Oh, okay. Can you not condemn Trudeau and Putin? Well, of course you can. Both of them are autocrats, maybe in different ways, but autocrats nonetheless. That is, they use totalitarian measures to control their people and to stay into power. Okay. Well, can you condemn both at the same time? Sure. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. I think you can condemn both, which is what you've done and I've done. So is there some inconsistency? Well, maybe with the Biden administration, in backing Trudeau, if not assisting him, while condemning Vladimir Putin, but that's not us. That's not us. And so, some of the arguments being used here are irrational. Is Putin a bad man? He's more than a bad man. But why do his defenders in this country, who are all over the political spectrum, by the way, why is his defenders in this country, why do they act like well, he's okay. It's just us. We're the problem. Well, we're not to tell us. What, what things did he do to stay in power? What has he done to other people in his own country? Well, why do we care? Well, we care what goes on in Canada. Now who's the hypocrite? Now who's the hypocrite? Oh. Well, the Ukraine's not really democracy. Why? Because I say so. Oh, okay. Now it's imperfect, but you can't say it's not a democracy. It's one of the reasons Putin is angry, because it is a democracy. And it voted his stooge out. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not a democracy. He locked up his opponent, who, of course, is another stooge. Okay, locked up his opponent. And yet we're not allowed to talk about the 2020 election, are we? We can talk about the 2016 election all we want, as long as we make sure we're talking about Russia collusion. Now do you understand? I hope you do. Of course you don't, because none of this makes any sense. 
Just stay consistent. Remember what I said. Facts and knowledge. Evidence. Using your noggin. Looking at history. Has Russia conducted itself in wonderful ways in the last hundred years? Even before? Of course not. Whether it was a a czarist regime or a communist regime or now a mix of a communist fascistic regime. The other day, Putin was mocking the United States saying, you want to see us de-communist, I think his phrase was. Now we're really going to show you what it looks like. In other words, borrowing from the communists. Who's his great hero? Lenin. Lenin. So if we're on the brink of war, it's not because of the United States. So don't get me wrong, we've had provocations as a result of Biden's weakness. That certainly can encourage genocidal maniacs as it has throughout history. They see opportunity and they move, and we've talked about this at length. But the person in soul and heart who's evil would be Vladimir Putin and Xi and Un. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so very much. Ukraine may break off diplomatic ties with Russia, its president says. I would say the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, has been a very courageous man. He said, we're on our land. And we're not going to cower. And we're not moving. And we're not leaving. We're on our land. This is who we are. And we're not running. He's very impressive, as is their foreign uh, policy person. <coughs> Excuse me. Effectively, their Secretary of State. I think they've conducted themselves very well. Zelensky, who in his nighttime address to the nation accused Russia of destroying peace efforts, played down the prospect of a large-scale conflict with Russia, but said he was prepared to introduce martial law if that happened. And so this is where the Putinites and the Russophiles are coming down. See, he said he'd declare martial law. Well, Lincoln did pretty much the same thing, just so you know. This isn't an excuse. It's an explanation. Again, history is important. And it wasn't across the board. It was in certain respects. I've often told you, and it gets complicated, but I've often told you that the radicals use liberty to destroy liberty. They use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. Just as Russia will use whatever it can to destroy Ukraine, and Communist China will do anything it can to destroy Taiwan, and Iran will do anything it can to destroy Israel and the surrounding Gulf states. And North Korea will do anything it can to destroy South Korea. These things are not in a vacuum. We're not third graders. Well, Mark, how can you condemn Trudeau but then say these things? Say what things? Trudeau's at war with his own people. Trudeau is destroying his country from within. It's not what we're talking about with Russia or Iran, or communist China, or the rest of it. The American Marxists, the Canadian Marxists, all these Marxists, they're very sympathetic to Russia, 
and to China. Why? Well, because they think the indigenous peoples, whomever they ultimately are, should be able to do the same thing to our country, or quite frankly, to countries south of the border, where the indigenous peoples aren't who people think. So there is that that element. We're going to have our third guest from the Pennsylvania Republican Senate primary, Carla Sands, on the program in about just a few minutes. Uh, really, you have McCormick, Oz, and Sands. These are the three leading candidates for the Republican nomination. And each has uh, sought my endorsement. I really just want you folks to hear from them. These are all good people, particularly in Pennsylvania. I want you to hear from them. And so we're going to take a break now. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I see the uh, CPAC, ACU, is having, uh, what's her name, Gabbard, as the main heavyweight at their event. You know, folks, with the dozens, if not hundreds, of outstanding people to choose from, conservatives and libertarians, veterans, constitutionalists, pro-life movement. I just quietly demur. It's not my event. My wife and I will be there for, for our presentation. Um, and we certainly enjoy meeting all the people there. And I know Ms. Gabbard is all over TV and radio with different hosts because she, she has a very effective way of taking down Biden and her party. But her foreign policy really isn't that much different than George McGovern. And uh, I just, I'm just telling you folks, it's not, I'm not a big fan of this, but like I say, it's not my event. Carla Sands, who is a candidate for the Republican nomination for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Carla, how are you? Mark, a great one. I'm fine. Hello to you and hello to your listeners from Pennsylvania, windy Pennsylvania. From Pennsylvania. Now, we first met, as I recall, in Israel. Isn't that correct? It is at our beautiful embassy residence in Jerusalem, Israel. That's right. And uh, you couldn't have been nicer and kinder. You were an ambassador. Tell everybody. Sure. Well, first, Mark, I'd like to share the thoughts with you and your listeners that I'm a pro-life, pro-First Amendment, pro-Second Amendment America first constitutional conservative businesswoman and mom. And I was, it was the honor of my lifetime to serve as president Trump's ambassador to the kingdom of Denmark. And as a matter of fact, meeting you there in Jerusalem with our, you know, what president Trump did moving our embassy there to, to Jerusalem, our great ambassador, David Friedman, who endorsed my campaign uh, it was quite quite an event, and to be there with Prime Minister Netanyahu, but but I was able to do great things while I was the ambassador in Denmark. We were able to increase U.S. exports. 
over 43% while I was there. So we created thousands of jobs here at home. We also were able to secure the high north uh, from the from Russia and China. And the Department of Defense gave me their highest civilian honor for that work to counter mm-hmm. Russia and China. And you did a lot considering... You know, it's it's a wonderful country, but it's a small country, and uh, there's really only so much an ambassador can do, but you did a lot. Now, you want to be the senator. First of all, you want to be the Republican nominee, then the senator from Pennsylvania. Tell Pennsylvanians in the country why it should be you and not these other folks. Well, frankly, because I'm the only person that our Pennsylvania conservatives can trust to put Pennsylvania and America first. I've been doing it since 2016. I'm the only candidate in this race, Mark, who actually raised money for Donald Trump in 16 and contributed and worked on his campaign and then, uh, and then worked in his administration. He appointed me as ambassador. I'm the only one who's put America first since 2016. Everybody else says they, they are since they've been running, but I actually, am a conservative and i've been a conservative activist all my adult life so they can trust that i'm going to go to washington and fight to defeat the radical democrats in the white house but also in general i mean in general it's like it's like we have bernie sanders in the white house and aoc Mm -hmm. is his vice president the the policies that we're getting out of washington these days where in pennsylvania are you from originally I'm from South Central Pennsylvania. You know so what? I can hear your accent. The capital. I can yes, hear your Pennsylvania accent. Well, yes. I mean, I have one, too. But, I mean, I can hear it. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, on the border, on immigration, do you consider this to be a major issue? Well, of course. I mean, we're being invaded. I think we had a record number. I was talking to a former acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, and he told me we had like 2 million uh, people that they got a hold of last year, but 600,000 got in that they, they didn't get a hold of, that the gotaways. And so it, it is a true invasion. It's one of the reasons I'm running. I was working as the ambassador in Denmark, and I was watching the, the rioting in 2020 and looting and then the Biden incoming administration talking about banning fracking and opening our southern border. And I was like, my gosh, I've worked all these years to help Republicans get elected and they're not fighting for us. We're losing our country so fast. I better do something different. I better step up and run. And so we've got to secure the border. We've got to build the wall. And we have fentanyl, as you know, and illegal aliens coming over the border. And I personally lost a young uh, relative over Christmas break to a fentanyl overdose. So this, this affects every community in America, the, the drugs that are pouring in from China over the border. It really is appalling that this administration won't do anything about it. Um, let me ask you this about your independence. So you get the nomination, you get elected to the Senate, you go to Washington, and some of these old boys come up to you and say, you know, Carla, it's good to see you. You're a young uh, senator. You're just here. You're a newbie. Let me tell you how the place works. Let me take you under my wing. And if you behave yourself, all will go well. Well, are you prepared to stand up to that sort of schmoozing that takes place? You know, Mark, 
we're, we're here to save. I'm here to save the country. We are losing our country so fast to the left. They are always on the offense. And so many weak Republicans are always on the defense. We compromise and they take. And it's time for the left to compromise. We're taking our country back. Our constitutional rights, our rule of law. I am not going to go along to get along. We are taking our country back. We, they have wakened the sleeping giant. Americans do not like what's happening. Even Democrats, in many cases, they're upside down on what this radical Biden administration is doing. And I will just call out, that goes for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They're radical. They, they're radicalized. It's not the Democrat Party of our childhood. This is different. These are revolutionaries and they're socialists and they're trying to take our country. They've taken our education, our sports. They're trying to take the police or the military, the culture. They've got the media. We, it's time. It's, I think mm-hmm. this is the 11th hour mark or it's too late. You see what's happening in Canada and Australia. We, I think it's a tipping point for the United States. What kind of media are you getting? You know, if you were elected to the Senate, and I'm trying to rack my brain here, wouldn't you be the first or the second woman senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? We've never had a female senator or a female governor. We don't right, even so let, have so, a Republican so I assume, congresswoman. So I assume the press is slobbering all over you, right? Oh, absolutely. They love me. They can't get enough. Of mm-hmm. course not. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? If you're a conservative, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Carla, I'd like to hold you over after the bottom of the hour here. Do you have a moment? I have a moment for you, Mark, and your listeners. Of course I do. Well, thank you, because we want to get be fair, get another segment in here. We're talking to Carla Sands. Uh, she could be the Republican nominee for the Senate from Pennsylvania. Wants to be the senator from Pennsylvania. Many of you don't live in Pennsylvania, but you live in the United States, and these senators vote on matters that affect you directly and in grave ways. So this is important as we travel the country. I'll be right back. Mark Levin says today, what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Carla Sands is running for the Republican nomination for the U.S. Senate. It's a crowded field. There's really three who, from my perspective, who are the serious candidates, she being one of them. Um, And Carla Sands uh, was an ambassador under President Trump. And I have a couple remaining questions, if I may. And it's this. You look at the Supreme Court has done, even today, or didn't want to take up the decision involving uh, executive privilege asserted by a former president, which is a big issue. It chose not to take it up. You look what happened in Pennsylvania in two major constitutional cases. I'm not even talking about machines here, one of which is now working its way through Pennsylvania court. Uh, Of course, it'll get to the Supreme Court and they'll kill it. Then they're going to have to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that is the unconstitutional changing of the voting system in Pennsylvania by the legislature itself. And then the biggie to me, uh, Carla Sands, is the federal constitution prevents a governor or a state court or a board of election or whatever from changing the way we elect a president. You'd be a senator. 
you'd be making decisions about people who are nominated for the Supreme Court. I think what this court has done in many of these areas is appalling because we did have the court step in in Bush versus Gore to, to stop the Florida Supreme Court. Uh, you can see that Congress is just trying to rip President uh, Trump to pieces here, and they fail again to take up a case that has enormous impact on the Constitution. Would you call yourself an originalist, a constitutionalist? You know, we have some Republican senators, Carlos Sands, who just rubber stamp anybody that this president puts forward. What is your take on this? You know, Mark, it's an important question. I am an originalist, and I look to um, justices like Justice Clarence Thomas, Justice Neil Gorsuch. They rule according to the Constitution, not according to political whims or, you know, sort of these activist judges that we see. There is I can't imagine one nominee that Joe Biden could make that I would support because all of his nominees have been radicals. It's Mm -hmm. I've never seen an administration be as radical as this administration. So I would not vote in favor of any of his nominees. And Mark, you know, I'm the conservative in this race. That's my lane. It is bright and shining. If the Pennsylvania voters want a conservative and someone who's going to support conservative policies and when it comes to voting, say, is it constitutional? Is it good for Pennsylvania? Can we afford it? Then I'm their candidate. And in fact, I'd appreciate if, you know, your listeners would take a look at my website, carlasands.com, because this is a tough race. Mm -hmm. And if they want someone that's going to uphold the Constitution, I'm their girl. It's CarlaSands.com, folks. CarlaSands.com. We'll put it up on my social media, such as it is, Carla, because I resigned from Facebook and Twitter <laughs> a year and a half ago. But we still have a lot I'm of followers. I'm getting on Truth Social, yeah. so I'm working on it. <laughs> That's good. Me too. And uh, yeah. I'm with you. But it's Carla, yeah, CarlaSands.com. CarlaSands.com. If you want to help, if you want to learn more. A very yeah. fascinating person, actually. Thank you, Mark. If I could just say one other thing, I really I want to be the energy senator. Energy is the most critical issue of our time. We have a a president, Biden, and his administration that's at war with Pennsylvania and American energy, our domestic energy production. The left, the entire left is has an agenda to shut down domestic production with their Green New Deal policies and I want to be Pennsylvania's energy senator and grow our domestic energy production and be loud and proud about it because people in America don't know there's enough gas under the ground under Pennsylvania to power the entire United States for 300 years. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania a game is so, changer. Uh, you're right. And it's so rich in natural resources, coal, natural gas, oil. Yeah. Same yeah. with uh, Eastern Ohio, the Cleveland area, and so which is why Rockefeller started there. People don't understand that these these north. This is a northeastern state, Midwest state. It's it, you're exactly one hundred percent correct. And Joe Biden promised the people there in Pennsylvania that he was not anti-fossil fuels. He lied through his teeth, didn't he? He did. He did. He he did it, and they were gullible and believed him and voted in Joe from Scranton. But they got. Bernie Sanders in the White House instead. <laughs> well, we wish you all the best. Uh, Thank Carla you so Sands. much, Mark. 
You're a uh, lovely lady. It's, uh, again, CarlaSands.com, CarlaSands.com. I encourage you to check her out, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you, great one. Have a good all evening. Right. God bless. You take care of yourself. There you go. Impressive, right, Mr. Producer? In fact, in fact all of them have been uh, Impressive. Then you got these slugs like Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland. He wants to run for president, so they have a cabal meeting in Washington in a what used to be a telephone booth, but they don't have telephone booths anymore because we don't have those telephones anymore. Anyway, they would meet in one of these booths, you know, and they got a whole idea, the never-Trumpers and the uh, whatever it is that they're promoting. I don't know. I got I to gotta watch Steve Hayes on NBC, then I'll understand better. Or my old buddy Jonah on CNN. That'll explain it. As they talk to liberal kooks. In the name, of course, of defending conservatism and their party on CNN and NBC. Very bizarre, you know? But what can I do? Nothing I can do about it. There's a lot of bizarros out there and a lot of bizarre stuff going on out there. As far as I'm concerned. One of the things that we've been promoting is the attack on tenure at all levels of education. Now, some of you might get upset with me, but I can't help it. Particularly at the college and university level, I don't believe in tenure. You know, Mr. Producer, I don't get tenure behind this microphone. Do you get tenure? As a producer and engineer, Rich? I mean, uh, Steve? No. Tenure? What's tenure? So for the vast majority of people in this country, they don't get tenure. Maybe you get seniority, maybe... I'm talking about tenure. Tenure, after two years. Some school districts, after one year. I have what's called, ready for this? A contract. I have to forcibly pay union dues to SAG. SAG. Can you imagine... Being a member of a union called SAG, Mr. Producer? That's not really good for either sex, is it? Ah, uh, but then uh, there we go. Screen Actors Guild. Do you believe? I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And I pay them thousands, tens of thousands of dollars every year. And I despise them. I despise them. So basically, I operate on a contract. I have a contract. then I expect all the parties to comply with the contract. If somebody violates my contract, I'm going to sue their ass. Remember, before I did radio and all the rest, I've been a litigator most of my life. Up and down the state chains, up and down the federal chain, written many briefs for the Supreme Court of the United States. We've taken on assistant U.S. attorneys. We've taken off the FBI, the Internal Revenue Service, the great landmark legal foundation headed by a dear friend of mine, Pete Hutchison, fantastic lawyer and human being, with our buddy Matt and Mike and all the others over there. I'm just the chairman, so I don't know day-to-day what's exactly taking place, but I do know how effective we've been. So you have a contract that's enforceable. You want to get out of the contract? You wait till the contract's over. But tenure... 
How many stories have we read to you in the New York City public school system where people are accused of molesting children and on and on and on? And they put them in some room, right? They pay their salary and they're in a room. Like, uh, they're, they're okay, go to your room. And they're detained for a while. And they still get paid. And if there's a salary increase, they get salary increases. So I'm not into this tenure stuff. It's a relatively new concept, by the way. It's a relatively new concept as far as these concepts go. Uh, and it's something, of course, we've been been opposed to here for a while. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court is currently configured as a disaster. Reuters, U.S. Supreme Court formally ends Trump's fight over capital attack records. U.S. Supreme Court today brought a formal end of former President Trump's request to block the release of White House records sought by Democrat-led congressional panel investigating last year's deadly attack on Capitol by a mob of his supporters. Not only is that a run-on sentence by this illiterate, whose name is Lawrence Hurley, and we are hurling. But just look at all of the buzzwords in there. The court's decision to formally reject Trump's appeal follows its January 19 order that led to the documents being handed over to the House of Representatives Investigative Committee by the federal agency that stores government historical records. And so here you see what happens when you have a tyranny of the judiciary, which is my first book, Men in Black, how the Supreme Court is destroying America. Those of you who are the longest listeners to this program can dust off that book, Men in Black, How the Supreme Court is Destroying America, because now it's destroying America. It certainly is, and it certainly has been. In the last few years, they've turned their guns on Trump, just like all the other institutions in Washington, D.C., and beyond. So because it's Trump, We're not going to take up this case. Now, if it were Bush, you know, we might take it up. If it's an election case involving Bush and Gore, we certainly would. We'd take it up three times, as a matter of fact. But not with Trump. And when a court doesn't step in and do its job, like this one has failed to do on multiple occasions now, you get Canada. And it's not O Canada. You know what it is, Mr. Producer? Oi, Canada. Oi, Oy. And so that's the decision we just got out of the United States Supreme Court. It's really quite appalling. We have a uh, an irregular reprobate. What's the guy's name again? Richard in New Jersey, Hackensack. Go right ahead, Richard. I know where that is. I know where the Hackensack Hospital is, too. It's a good hospital. Go right ahead, That's Richard. Correct. Thank you. Hey, look, first of all, tenure is not a new thing, okay? No, it's not. And I it's, despise it. And it's, no. You, no, you tenure's it's, been around, actually, since about the late 50s, early 60s. That's a pretty new thing. Okay. And it's, and it's, it's mostly three years, okay? And you can uh, be Sir, fine. sir, sir. In the state where I was a school board member, it's two years. In the state next to us, it was one year. It's not three years in New Jersey or New York. Where do you live? You, you say you live in New Jersey. It was three years for many years, okay? so oh, Are you a teacher? Like I said, 
No, I'm not, okay? Are you a student? Okay. And, and a couple other things, okay? I want to uh, just... Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, okay, go ahead, okay. That, you mentioned Marx. You mentioned Marx was you like a, Marx? A, a killer and some kind of a of a, a nutcase killer or... Uh, he was a... He was a economic theoretician. I mean, no, he's more on. than an economic theoretician. He'd be very angry that you called him an economic theoretician. Do you remember? Well, you won't. Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto. Why did he write that, sir? Yes. I That's his greatest that. known works, and yet it's his least intelligent or substantive. Why did he write that? Why did he write it? Why did he write it? <laughs> well, he wrote it for guys like you, I guess. Hey, pal, pal. Don't demonstrate your stupidity by taking shots at me. It won't work. Never works. He wrote the Communist Manifesto, not because it was his brilliant piece of work, but because he was paid and hired to do it by various communist organizations in other parts of the world. It was a worldwide revolution. It was effectively their pamphlet. Anybody that goes to Barnes & Noble or elsewhere and looks, you'll see it's not that long. It's about 50 pages, 48 pages, depending on the font type. And he was slow to get it done. He needed Engels' help. And he made a pretty good buck off of doing it. And yes, he was a revolutionary, not just a writer who is sitting at his desk like Hemingway, wondering about things from 6 a.m. to noon. No, he was an activist. He was a revolutionary. As a matter of fact, you haven't read one of my books, so you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Even in the latest book, American Marxism, I explain who Marx is. I don't go into great detail. How many more times can I write about Marx, for God's sakes? How many more times? It's right about us. But nonetheless, he even writes in the Communist Manifesto, there will be a period of despotism. The destruction of the family, if necessary, by force. And what, what do you mean? He was just an economic theoretician. There you get, Mr. Slobbering. Anyway, thank you for your call. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and our trucker friends in the United States and Canada. We love you. We stand with you.